Hello, this is Jessica Jimeno, and you are listening to Flip Switch, the podcast and blog that helps teens and 20-somethings understand depression and bipolar disorder. Today is the first of two parts in a tribute to legendary actress and successful mental health advocate Patty Duke. With the help of some friends, I'll be reenacting two scenes and drawing two lessons from her autobiography, Call Me Anna. At this year's DBSA conference, that is the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, Duke's autobiography was sold out. Patty Duke is on the cover of the current issue of BP Magazine, a great resource for people with bipolar disorder. Duke's autobiography captivates readers of all ages. Why? Because even without bipolar disorder, Patty Duke's life would be difficult by any standard. She gives hope to people with bipolar disorder, depression, or other crosses to bear. You think, if she can do all that, I can get up and face the day. There's hope. Patty Duke was actually born Anna Marie Duke in 1946 in Queens, New York. She was born to parents struggling financially and emotionally, a mom with undiagnosed depression, and a well-meaning father who was an alcoholic. Anna Marie was trained by stage managers, husband and wife team Ethel and John Ross. At age 12, she became the youngest star on Broadway. At 16, she won an Academy Award. At 17, she got her own TV show, all of her overnight success came at a heavy price. Duke ended up living with the Rosses, who squandered her wealth and abused her physically, mentally, and sexually. Even though she has been happily married for the past 25 years, the road to peace has been a long one. Both scenes feature Patty and her first husband, Harry. I will be playing the role of Patty. I will refer to Patty Duke as Anna Marie. And now, two scenes from Call Me Anna. Scene 1 Take going to the market. A good four, five, six hours a day might be taken up with this planned trip. Harry and I would sit down, have coffee, and discuss the shopping list literally for hours. He'd give me pep talks, and I'd cry. You can do this. Look, thousands of people do it every day. All you have to do is just walk in. So what if you get the wrong things? Don't worry about it. There were days when he reached his limit, when he'd just say, The hell with it. Don't go to the market. But most of the time, he really was a good soul, constantly trying to bring me back to some kind of reality. Finally, we'd get the list in order. Then I'd go upstairs to get dressed, and Harry would come up, sometimes a few minutes later, sometimes hours later, thinking I'd left, and I'd be standing in the closet or sitting on the floor, the same way I was when I first went up. With Harry's constant encouragement, I eked by. And there were times when I'd get up in the morning, make a list, and go to the market. I was also a presenter at the Academy Awards that spring. I had trouble with the dress rehearsal. Harry had to talk to me for about four hours, and when I got there, I realized I'd forgotten the shoes that went with my dress, which was critical, because I couldn't practice coming down the stairs in my sneakers. An announcement was made over the PA system that 
Patty Duke didn't have any shoes, and could somebody please lend her a pair? And the shoes that were lent to me were Liza Minnelli's. That was a very meaningful gesture to me, because even though no one knew it, I was in a real emotional crisis. Scene 2 Right before I went to New York, someone involved with the campaign asked me to go up to the University of Oregon in Eugene and speak for Bobby. I was thrilled to be stumping for a Kennedy. Several days after my speech. I hadn't been in the hotel room for 15 minutes before Bobby was declared the winner. And I called Harry. No answer. I was kind of disappointed that I couldn't share this with him. Then the candidate started speaking. My thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. And it was thrilling, and I was dialing again. And I still didn't get Harry. Then they followed Bobby through the kitchen, and he was shot. And I lost it. I called Harry, and there was still no answer. I got the operator and begged her to stay on the phone with me. I became truly hysterical. I kept saying, They did it! They killed him! They killed him! They killed him! They killed him! And then, her switchboard went crazy, and she had to leave me. Besides watching the coverage, I was obsessed with finding Harry. I kept dialing him at home. Then I called every place I knew of that he could possibly be. I did that continually until 9 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m. California time, when he finally answered the phone. As soon as I heard Harry's voice, I got hysterical all over again. He kept saying, Yes, yes, it's, it's terrible. And then I remembered to ask, And where were you when all this happened? It never occurred to me that he was any place he shouldn't have been. But when he told me he'd been at a party at the Playboy Mansion, it sounded terrible to a wife 3,000 miles away. Once I calmed down, I called a woman named Sandy Smith. We'd met quite recently, but we became close friends very fast. I arranged to go out to see her house on Fire Island for the weekend. And now we draw two lessons. Lesson number one, even the smallest act of kindness can make a big difference. Many people going through depressive episodes struggle to complete even the simplest tasks. Just like Harry coached Anna to go to the grocery store, you can do that for others. Suppose your friend feels overwhelmed by school or work, just talking to him on the phone and saying, first, focus on getting up and taking a shower, then get dressed, and so forth. Staying with that person on the phone until he takes a shower can set him in the right direction. Hosting the Oscars seemed like mission impossible. Liza Minnelli lent Anna Marie her shoes. This small act of kindness helped her rehearse for the Academy Awards. We too can do small things that make a big impact. If you have a classmate who was so depressed that she missed a week of classes, just lending that person your notes can go a long way. 
Lesson number two, build a support network. If you have a mental illness, you do need to reach out to somebody. Just make sure there are multiple somebodies. Kennedy's death was a tragedy for all Americans. Imagine being alone on 9-11 and having no one to share your grief with. There were times when Harry was patient, but after Bobby Kennedy's death, we saw a different side of Harry. For many painful hours, Anna Marie had no one to talk to. Anna Marie eventually called a friend who was very comforting. If you have bipolar disorder, depression, or another mental illness, it's important to have multiple people that you can trust. This is healthy for both the person in need and the one helping him or her. To conclude, today we learned two lessons from Patty Duke's autobiography. Lesson number one, the smallest act of kindness can make a big impact. Lesson number two, build a support network. In the next podcast, we'll hear other dramatic scenes. Before part two, you can always hear other podcasts and read my blogs on the Flip Switch page at www.bpkids.org forward slash flip switch forward slash podcast. Leave a comment. Be heard. This is Jessica Jimeno signing off and saying thank you for listening to Flip Switch.